Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. Last week we uh, began a study um, looking at, at uh, the genealogy of Jesus, and we saw it's not just a list of names, it's <clears throat> way more than that, it's credentials, it's the, it's the line of the king, son of David, son of Abraham, all the people on earth would be blessed through Abraham. Son of David, the king. More than 40 different people were mentioned there. All kinds of personalities, all kinds of uh, different positions, walks of life. Men and women, some famous, some not well known, some good, some evil. But the, what, what underlies it all is that these are all for whom Christ came. Every single one. All were sinners and all needed a Savior. None were able to save him or herself. And so this line, this history prepares the way for the birth of Jesus, the Savior. His legal line came through this varied bunch of people. Ultimately, though, and what we're going to get to today is that ultimately, this was his legal line, but ultimately, he was born sinless. He was born of a virgin. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Larry King, the, uh, the talk show host, he asked, somebody asked him once who he would most want to interview if he could choose anyone from all history. And he said, Jesus Christ. He said, the, the questioner asked him, what would you like to ask him? And King replied, uh, I'd like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. He says, the answer to that question would define history for me. Wow. It's important, isn't it, this idea? It's not just some topic that somebody came up with. This is important. This is crucial. This is really one of the foundational bedrock tenets of the Christian faith. A lot of people say tenets. No, ten, not tenets. Tenets. Tenets of the Christian faith. The cornerstone. One of the foundational truths of all. I liked it when we were looking at Ezra, you know, when, they, when the builders, it says they laid the foundation, the people all got very excited. And there was a lot of worship and singing and praise going on because the foundation of the house was laid. This is one of the foundations of our faith. And it, it is so crucial, so important. Uh, you know, in thinking about the resurrection, it's also, resurrection is another one of these that is foundational as well. And Paul said, you know, without, if the resurrection isn't true... We might as well all just go home and just go on and, and do all kinds of other stuff. Eat, drink, and be merry. Same kind of thing with the virgin birth. If this isn't true, then we might as well just forget it and go home. And I'll explain to you why. In Psalm 11, it says, When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed, when the foundations are being knocked out and, and questioned and attacked, what can the righteous do? In Isaiah chapter 28, it says this. The Lord says, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a, stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who trusts will never be dismayed. God was going to lay this cornerstone, this foundation stone. It was going to be a sure foundation, and, and he was going to do it in Zion, and it's, that's what we're talking about today. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ, it's essential. If, if he had not been born of a virgin, how would he be any different than you or I? Would he be any different? 
He would be the same. He would be just a man. He would be a sinner, just like you and I. How could he save us? How could a sinner come and save us? A sinner would die for who? For himself. You see, this is absolutely essential. You can't get away from this. You can't just explain it away. You have to, uh, you have to look at this and understand that this is a supernatural event, a miraculous event that took place by the power of God. You know, Part of the problem is, too, is trying to be, uh, you know, the, the humanistic mindset said is that everything is just what we can see, what we can understand, what we can do. But God is outside of what, you know, humans are able to do. And miraculously that he would come down and actually do something like this, this is what we're talking about here. Of course, uh, you know, we'll talk in a, a few minutes about the fact of another facet of, of who, who Jesus Christ was. But did he just, was he just born in that time and date? Did, he ju- did his life just start then? No. See, Jesus Christ, he existed way before. It says he, he is God. He has always existed. He existed before the creation of the world. But at this particular time, he's now coming to the earth to take a human body. Look at verse chapter 1, verse 18 is where we left off last week. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph and Mary were pledged. He says, this is how it is. This is what happened. He's giving us a, an account of what happened. This is what happened. We saw that he was careful and, and you know, being a tax collector, he kind of kept records, you know, who he could get money from, who still owed him money and all the rest of it. He kept records. He wrote all the genealogy. He researched that and wrote it down. And, and, and this is, he, he's continuing this here as well. This is what happened by somebody who was there. Not at, at the birth of Jesus, but somebody who was there at the time of Jesus. And, and, and he found out the whole story and he, he writes it down for us. He said, this is how it is. Joseph and Mary, it says that they were pledged to be married. Now, you have to understand that, that back in that day, there was, there was three steps to getting married to somebody. Um, today, you just go to Las Vegas and it's all done, right? That's all that you need to do. Back then, there were three steps, though. There was, a, there was an engagement period, and that could happen when someone was very, very young, and, and many of the marriages were uh, arranged, right? They were arranged, and the parents would say, you know, so-and-so, that, you know, you've seen the fiddler on the roof and the, the gal that arranges the marriages and all that. They were, so they were, they really, there wasn't much there. There was like an engagement, what they called an engagement period. There was no, there wasn't really much, not much contact. They maybe never even knew each other, saw each other. When they got older, then they would have what, what's called the betrothal period. And this is where it would become more official. And actually at this point in time, they would actually be called husband and wife once they were betrothed to one another. That's the period that Joseph and Mary are in in this verse here. They're, they're betrothed to each other. They're called husband and wife. Um, but this is a one-year period where they're still living separately. They're living in the, their parents' homes, right? They're living separately. There's no, um, there's no sexual relationship at all. They're separate, but it's very serious. 
They know they're, they're counting the cost of this thing called marriage. And in, in actuality, they could not break this except by divorce or if somebody died. They'd have to get divorced to break this, even though they had never lived together, they never, you know, slept together. And, and so this was a very important time. This is the time now that Joseph and Mary are in. The, of course, the, after the year was over, then the husband would come to the, the house of the wife's parents and come and get her and then and bring her. And eventually, you know, after all the parties were done and the celebrations and everything, they would go and live together and, and consummate the marriage as, as man and wife. This is the way it was back then. So this period here, they're, they're not even living together. They're not having relationship together, which, you know, is the right thing to do, right? During an engagement, betrothal period, there's not you're not supposed to be. According to God's word, uh, we don't you know have sexual relations except in the context of marriage. That's the way God has spelled it out for us. He knows that's the way it should be. It's the it's the the safest way to be for all of us. It's not to spoil anyone's fun. It's the right way. It's it's the safe way. It's God's way, and that's what we want to do. And that's what they were doing here now. So you get to this place, and, and, and they're in this period, and it says Mary now is with child. Mary was found to be with child. This creates somewhat of a problem. Would you not agree? They're not living together. They're not sleeping together. And now Mary is pregnant. What are we going to do now? This is, you know, and again, think about this in the context of who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus, and this is how he's getting this start. He's getting this start, and this, you know, the circumstances are not really all that favorable, right? There's some, there's some you know, talk going around now. The situation doesn't look good. Mary is, is pregnant with child. Of course, Mary had been told what was going to happen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll read it together Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 Mary had been warned about it before this ever happened Luke chapter 1 verse 30 the angel said to Mary said do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus and he will be great and we will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, that king. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And, and Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. This would be unlike any birth ever in history. It's very clear what the angel says to Mary. Mary understands what the angel has said to her. This was going to be a, a radical, supernatural thing that happened. Someone said this, that most cults deny the virgin birth. And I'll add, not just most cults, but a lot of people in the world deny the virgin birth. Some claim that Christ's conception and birth was no different than that of any other person. At least one claims that Jesus' birth was the result of sexual relations between God and Mary. All deny the clear teaching of Scripture that this 
was a miraculous intervention by God the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is an essential of the faith and must not be compromised. This is something that God has done. I like a scripture I read, and, and I read this long, long time ago in Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. God prepared this body. God gave him this body. God did this work, a miraculous intervention by the Spirit of God. You say, well, I don't understand that. How could that happen? Well, is it, is it that we have to understand everything? Do we understand how miracles happen? Can we, you know, just on a human level, human plane, understand the resurrection? Can we understand how Jesus went and touched people and healed them? How God still does miraculous works in the world today? Do we, are they things that we can explain? You have people through history, try they look at the miracles of the Bible and they just try to explain them. Well, the parting of the Red Sea was really this. You know, there was a certain kind of wind that came during that particular time and, and it just made this happen and made that happen and, and just kind of naturalistically explain away the miraculous events of the Bible. But this is what the Bible says. The scripture says that, that Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, that it was a work of God, essential of the faith that must not be compromised. So we're here in this situation. The, the Lord has spoken to Mary, told her what was going to happen. Now Joseph now finds out about it, and what would he do? What is Joseph going to do in the situation? We're not really sure at this point in time if Mary has told Joseph what she was told. We don't know. It doesn't say that. But look back in Matthew now. It says there in verse 19, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Again, to break this betrothal period, you had to do it by divorce. Even though they, they weren't even living together, but it was that serious for them. But it says he was a righteous man, and, and, and maybe he should just divorce her. Even Joseph didn't know what to do in the situation. He didn't understand what was going on, and he was betrothed to her. But maybe she did tell him. Maybe she did tell him, but can you imagine that? You know, your fiancé, your betrothed, says to you, Joseph, um, I've got some, something I need to tell you. Um, I don't know how quite to say this, but I'm pregnant. And, um, well, it's, it's from God. Can you imagine, Joseph? Now, it says he's a righteous man, but hearing those words, what is your first response going to be? I think I, maybe I need to divorce this girl because I'm not sure what I'm getting myself into here. She may just be a little bit, you know, off somewhere out there and I can understand how that could have happened my wife said that to me <laughs> that's after we got married so it was too late how would you respond if your fiance told you that that it was a miracle of God if Joseph brought this thing public if he brought this all out into the open 
what could have happened to Mary is they could have taken her out and stoned her to death. That's basically what could have happened. So he cared enough about her. Maybe he didn't understand it all, but he cared enough about her. He said, you know what, I, I, that's not what I would want. I don't understand how this happened, and, and maybe he knew or maybe he didn't know. But he had some form of sensitivity. And, and Joseph, you know, he's kind of a pretty cool guy when you kind of do a study about him. <coughs> you know, looking at the way he reacts and the way he responds, and, and he, he shows some, some discretion here. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, and he was considering it, he wasn't rashly, you know, doing something. He was considering it, praying about it probably, you know, asking God, you know, what is going on? What should I do? It says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The Lord spoke to Joseph. Now, maybe Joseph was asking, maybe she had told him, and he was asking, like, is this true? Like, I need to know, like, what is going on with all this? But it says that the Lord spoke to him, and, and the Lord got through to him, and, and the Lord spoke to him how? By a dream, through an angel, by, you know, an angel, by a dream. And interesting thing is that this happens like five times when you, when you look at it in chapter 2. It happens here in chapter 1, chapter 2. It happens um, four more times where Joseph, it says that he was warned in a dream. And sometime an angel would, of the Lord would be there. But he was warned in a dream. Joseph was warned. God spoke to him. God had to speak to him. He needed to hear from God, wouldn't you think? He needed to. This is kind of crucial. This is kind of important. He needed to hear from God. And, and sometimes we come up to these places in our lives where it is crucial. We need to hear from God in a situation. We're praying. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're asking God what in the world is going on. We're trying to understand it all. And God spoke to him. Do I believe that God still speaks today? Yes, I do. Does he still speak through dreams? Is he, is he going to speak to every one of us by an angel through a dream? Not necessarily. Can he do that? Yeah, of course he can. But the bigger question is, is God still speaking today? Can he speak today? And I believe he does. And I, and I, and I believe it personally. Has God ever spoken to me by a dream? I, one time it, it's possible, but I'm not totally sure. So I can't say that God has spoken to me for sure by dreams, but does he speak to some people by dreams? Yes, I think he does. The scripture says that he does. We see it in the, New, in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Visions and dreams. I think we have to understand that God wants to speak. I think primarily today he's speaking to us how? Through his word, by his word. And, and I can honestly say over and over again, over the 30-some-odd years that I've been a believer, is that, that God has, has spoken to my heart. I didn't hear a voice, but God has spoken to my heart through this, through the, the words on these pages, over and over again, and just the right words, at just the right time, in just the right way. Do I hear it all the time, every day, walking down the street? No, I don't. And, and, half, and most of the time, I should say, it's, you know going through some serious trial, issue, or problem, and just struggling to try to find answers in this life. 
And, 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 you know, it's like God will answer maybe usually not when I want him to, but later on, and then I'll go, wow, oh, 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 now I get it. And I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for helping me because I, I, I needed to hear from you. My, my feeling is that God can, God can uh, speak to us any way that he wants to. Why? Because he's God. He can speak by visions and dreams. He can speak through his word by a still small voice, the spirit of God uh, speaking to us by, by a still small voice. He can speak through other people who, who, who share something with us. Hey, I got a, a scripture I want to share with you. Or I, you know, hey, I've been praying for you and, and I just, I'm wondering if that's the right way you're going. Or, or God can speak to us in so many different ways, the way circumstances line up or don't line up. The second question, the first question is, does God still speak today? The second is, are we listening? Do we want to hear what he has to say? Because to be honest with you, there are times when we don't want to hear what he has to say. We don't want to hear. We, we don't want to know. I'm going to do what I want to do. I really don't want to know what God says about it. That's not a good idea. I have found that out to be true as well. Doesn't end up good. So God was speaking to Joseph and he said, don't be afraid. One of, the, one of the words that we see throughout the Bible, God speaking to people and he tells them, do not be afraid. In all different kinds of circumstances, he tells Joseph here, don't be afraid to take Mary home. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a miraculous work of God. Don't be afraid to take her home. Continue on. I find it interesting the Lord had told Mary, right? We read about that. that was earlier. And now the Lord tells Joseph. It's kind of good when God tells both, right? You know, I've, I remember way, way back in Bible school where this guy said, you know, God told me that I'm going to marry that girl. And I said, oh, I'm wondering, I wonder if God told her. <laughs> because they never ended up getting married. <laughs> and, and, you know, usually it kind of works out that, you know, if God's really in this thing, he's going to tell both partners, right? Well, you know, there, I'm, I, you know I'm not saying there are times when, when God isn't leading, uh, you know, one or the other in a marriage situation, and the other one just doesn't know yet, or doesn't understand, or isn't clear yet. But, but if God's going to do something in a marriage, he's going to do it with both. He's not just going to lead one and, you know, God's leading me to go off to, you know, Africa. And, and well, God's not leading me to. And, 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 and so I'm just going to go without you kind of thing. That's, I don't think that's the way God works. He speaks to both of them. And, and they, they both understand, wow. Now, did they totally understand it at that time? I still don't think they totally understood they knew what God had told them. They, they, they both had these, you know, angels of the Lord speak to them. And they both knew that, hey, this is radical. They knew she was pregnant. But like to understand it all, you read later on in the life of Mary and Mary goes, you know, says about her, you know, things that Jesus would say something or do something. She go, okay, and says she treasured these things in her heart. Kind of like kept them. Well, I'm just going to file that one away because I really don't quite know who this kid is and what this is all about.
I like, somebody pointed this out in my, my reading. It says, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did this miraculous work inside of her, within her. And I really like that because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do works within us too. He's, he, wants to, he wants to bring forth life within us. He wants to bring forth different uh, ministries and, 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 and joy and the fruit of the Spirit within us. Conceive these things within us. But we've got to cooperate, right? We can't, we can't fight against Him. Look at verse 21. Let's move on. It says, it says there that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He would save them from what? From Rome? They wanted to be saved from Rome. They wanted, that's what they wanted their king to do. But he says, you're going to give him the name Jesus. He's going to save the, the people, his people, from their sins. Give him the name Jesus. Now, at the time, Jesus was kind of a familiar name. It's like John today or... Um, um, I'm looking around, seeing some familiar names... Um, that's the only one I can think of. I should have made a list. But Jesus was kind of a familiar name there. But what it, what it means, and it was the Greek form of Joshua, as we've said many times, the Greek form of Joshua, the Hebrew name, and, and the Hebrew word Joshua, name Joshua, means the Lord saves. It means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And so the, the angel said, you, you need to name this boy Jesus because he's going to save. He is going to be the one. He's not just going to be the one that has this familiar, popular name, but he's actually going to be the fulfillment of that name that the Lord saves. The Lord Jesus Christ saves. He saves the people, his people from their sins. And the reality of this is that we're all sinners and the reality is that we need to be saved. He came to be a Savior. And if you don't know that, if you don't know that, 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 that you need a Savior, you need to ask yourself, well, do you really know what life is all about? Do you really know what the future holds? Do you know what's beyond this life? I, all I know is that before I came to know Jesus Christ, I know that I was lost. I was searching. I was lost. I didn't know, you know, up from down. Oh, I was functioning somewhat. A little bit. But I was lost and, and I needed a savior. I needed to be, to be saved from my sins. And once I came to know Jesus Christ, my life was completely turned around. The reality of sin. I'm still learning today. I'm still growing. God is still working in my life today. As I said, it was some 30 years. It was in 1976. What is that? 30, almost 33 years, Right? You mathematicians, almost 33 years and I'm still learning and, and, and I'm still trying to understand what does it mean to worship you like that song we sing sometimes. What does it mean to follow Jesus? You don't learn it all. We, you know, we, the, when we stop growing and learning, that's when we become stale and dry. I got to learn. I, what does it mean to follow? What does it mean? What is God trying to say to me today? I didn't learn it all that first year, and then I just kind of coast from there. I, I, I need to learn. What, what is God trying to speak to me today? I think he's trying to do surgery in my heart. I'm excited about it, to be honest with you. He's trying to do this surgery in my heart right now. 
during these days. And it, it has to do with a lot of different things and, and healing that he wants to do in me and, 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 and purpose that he wants to create in me. Say, well, how, how could that be? You know, you're, you're like been a, a Christian for 33, two year, whatever years, and, and you know, you're a pastor, and, and don't you know pastors know all the Bible? I can't stand it when people say, well, you, you know that verse, right? It's some obscure verse. I'm going, yeah, okay. They think pastors like have the whole Bible memorized. You know every verse in the Bible. You know every doctrine, everything perfectly. Yeah. I'm just learning. I'm just growing. I'm just trying to trying to stay, you know, stay on that straight and narrow path to follow Jesus myself. And he's doing things in me and I'm I'm so excited about it. I, I you know, I just I love to know that God still wants to work in me. And and he still wants to work in you too. I know that. I believe that with all my heart. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of this was to be fulfilled. What the Lord had already said through the prophecies of hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Matthew, as I said uh, in our introduction, Matthew speaks often of the Old Testament being fulfilled. Matthew is kind of the bridge book between the Old Testament and New Testament because he talks so often, more than anyone else, about these Old Testament passages, more than any other gospel, I should say, being fulfilled. And so now he's speaking of Isaiah the prophet. He quotes these verses from Isaiah the prophet. The virgin will be with child. Isaiah wrote those words some 700 years, 700 years earlier. And God spoke through Isaiah the prophet saying that there would come a time when a virgin would be with child and give birth to a son. They would call him Emmanuel. God spoke through Isaiah. Through this prophet Isaiah, the virgin would be with child. Again, this, this virgin birth, this, the bedrock, the the, the, one of the foundations of our faith. If you don't understand it, you don't believe it, you, you, you never kind of grapple with it, you need to. Because otherwise you're not standing on anything. You've got nothing to stand on. What we also see here, and I alluded to this earlier, the fact that he says that, that, that they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, as I said earlier, he is God. The deity, what the, the theological term, the deity of Jesus Christ, the pre-existence of Jesus Christ, that he existed before uh, this time and before the creation of the world. But here it says that God would be with us, and, and did he become God at that point in time? No, God came, and the scripture you know, speaks about it in so many different places. God came down. God took the form of a human body. God the Son came. These two really go together, the incarnation where, where God became man and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It couldn't just be a normal birth. If it was just a normal birth, it was not the incarnation of God becoming fully man. Fully God, fully man. It could not have been, you see. In the beginning was the Word. What does it say? The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then later in that chapter, it says the word became flesh. 
In the beginning, before creation, the, was the Word, was God, was the Son, the Son of God, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. In Colossians, it says, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is all the fullness of the deity lives in Christ. Was he just Joseph and Mary's son? Or was he God? In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He went back and took his place after he had provided the cross, purification, saving his people from their sins. Finally, verse, verses 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, again, this guy, he's responsive to God. He's obedient. But what would others think? What would others think, you know, in this situation? The, the gossip around town. What would be, they be thinking about that? But Joseph, he said, you know what? I don't really care what others think. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to follow God. He did not let what others think stop him from following God. Sad to say, you know, you and I, how many times is it true where, you know, we know what God wants us to do, but we really, you know, we're more concerned about what everybody else thinks. Well, if I, you know, if I pray or if I, you know, read my Bible or if I say something about the Lord here in this situation, what are they going to all think about me? We're more concerned about what people think than obeying God. And, and that's a sad situation, but, but that's... That's what we are, and, 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 but we can look to the example of someone like Joseph. And, and, and it says Joseph woke up and he did what the, the angel of the Lord commanded him, what the Lord told him to do. That you and I, every day when we wake up, we would just do what God tells us to do. Some of it we already know. A lot of it we already know because we know what the Bible says. We don't have to hear, you know, every day, like, uh, you know, the voice of God every single day because... In so many cases, generally, we know what God wants us to do. And we know what he doesn't want us to do. So that's what Joseph did. He knew, he knew here precisely what God wanted him to do. And he did it. It says he had no union with her. He had no sexual relationship with her until she gave birth. It says that you know, he wanted to make it clear. You know, that, that let no doubts you know, be in his mind or anybody else's mind. This is not going to happen. He had some self-control here. There were going to be no questions, and he gave him the name Jesus that the Lord saves. He obeyed. This miraculous intervention of God to bring the Savior. Let me tell you this story I read. This, uh, this pastor wrote this story, and it's a true story. He said, an unbelieving uh, physician once sought to ensnare the author, this, this pastor. He says, before a crowd, by asking him, by asking him, uh, Parson, recently a young woman in our hospital gave birth to a boy declaring that the child had no human father. Would you have believed her story? And the question caught my breath for a moment, but 
breathing a prayer, I answered about as follows. He said, Doctor, if that mother's son had been born in exact fulfillment of prophecy for some 1,500 years, if the stars of the heaven above that acknowledged the glory of it, if wise men had come from afar to worship him and bring gifts, if his life had been so sinless that even his bitterest enemies could not convict him of one sin, if his hands had healed the lepers and opened blind eyes, if he had called forth the dead from the grave, if he had spoken such words of wisdom that that world would sit at his feet listening, if cruel men had crucified him on a cross and the very sun had hidden its face for shame at the deed, if a platoon of soldiers guarding his grave could not prevent his rising from the dead, if for 40 days he had manifested his resurrection by many infallible proofs, if he had done for me what one has done who has borne without a human father, if all this had been true, oh yes, doctor, I would believe that woman's story. That's it for you and for me. That's who he is. He gave him the name Jesus. Paul says in Philippians, every knee should bow. God gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He gave him the name Jesus, Lord saves. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, in this miraculous way. Is it outside of our understanding and our human comprehension? Yes, it is, but, but this is what you did. You sent your Son, Jesus, born of a virgin, that he might be the sinless sacrifice for my sin. He might save me. He might save the world through his giving of his life to take our place. Lord, we come before you this morning and we confess that we are sinners and we need saving. And there's only one place, one hope, and that's in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We come and, and, and Lord, we again confess that, that you are Savior. You are my Savior. Lord, there may be some here today who are still grappling with this question. Lord, I pray for them that they would come and know that you came for them, to die for them, to rise from the dead for them, to give them life, eternal life, and that today they would simply bow their knee and say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. Lord, I pray they would do it here and now, today, and not wait until it's too late. Today is a day of salvation. It will be too late once we die. Father God, Reveal yourself to us. We, we come to you with all the trials and troubles and tribulations of our lives. And, and we pray, Lord, Lord, help us, speak to us, guide us, direct us. The way you, you did that for Joseph, for Mary. Though their situation was, was uh, so much further above ours in the bringing of the Savior to the earth. Lord, we know that you care about our situations just as much. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak to us, Lord the stillness and the quiet of our hearts through your word by any means any way that you would see fit we give you all the glory all the honor in jesus name we pray amen